This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for December 14th, 2022, your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you from Austin, Texas. We got a smorgasbord of news for you. We will continue to keep our eye on 2024, a brand new USA Today Suffolk poll with bad news for old Donnie Trump. Like to see him wriggle his way out of that one. We will have a look into an arcane law that came into play during the rise of the Tea Party, then put to bed when Pelosi got back in charge. And now it might be the only bargaining chip that will get Kevin McCarthy to Speaker of the House status. Ladies and gentlemen, for all but the wonkiest among us, you will be introduced to the motion to vacate the chair. Will you motion to vacate the chair? It sounds like an instruction on smart furniture. It's not. It is the the, the, the bane of John Boehner. A sort of Damocles often dangled above Paul Ryan. And now it might be the gift and the curse for Kevin McCarthy. Meanwhile, our old pal Bill Scher joins the program. He's going to talk about Kirsten Cinema. Why did she go independent? Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? And is she now more or less likely to win re-election? In 2024. Before we get to all that, though, let's give you guys some quick news. Inflation has increased, <laughs> but gone down slower. Sorry, it, it increased slower than was expected. So, again, this is kind of the arrested development. Don't buy, don't buy. Everybody's. Uh, 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 excited that it went from a triple sell to a don't buy. But here's the news. In the latest sign that runaway inflation that has been gripping the economy is beginning to loosen up, the Consumer Price Index, which measures a wide basket of goods and services, rose just 0.1% from the previous month. That means it increased 7.1% from a year ago. But Economists surveyed by Dow Jones had been expecting a 0.3% monthly increase. The increase from a year ago, while well above the Federal Reserve's 2% target for a healthy inflation level, was tied for the lowest since November 2021. And excluding volatile food and energy prices, the core CPI rose 0.2% on the month and 6% on an annual basis compared to the respective estimates of 0.3 and 6.1. So when it comes to core inflation, look, it's better. It's better. You'd rather it come in under the estimate than over the estimate. We will keep an eye 
on whether or not that continues to be the case going forward. Also, a correction. I have referred to the idea that Brian Kemp could beat John Ossoff when presumably both would run for Senate in Georgia. And I have offhandedly mentioned that that contest would be in 2024. Well, the subject's right, the predicate's not. I do believe that Brian Kemp and John Ossoff could meet up for that Senate seat. However, as an intrepid listener pointed out to me, that contest will not be for another four years, 2026. John Ossoff actually won a full term in 2020. Make sense? Capiche? Capiche. All right. Let's go ahead and get into the rest of the show. But first. According to a brand new USA Today Suffolk University poll, Donald Trump's presidential support amongst the Republican Party has cratered. By two to one, GOP and GOP-leaning voters now say that they want Trump's policies but a different standard bearer to carry them. While 31% want the former president to run, 61% prefer some other Republican nominee who would continue the policies that Trump has pursued. So, if not Trump, then who? Two-thirds of Republicans have uh, inclined to vote said that Republican Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, should be the pick by double digits. 56% support DeSantis over 33% for Trump. Quote David Paliogos, director of the Suffolk University Political Research Center, Republicans and conservative independents increasingly want Trumpism without Trump. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about 2024 with Bill Share later in the episode. And I don't want to step on everything that we're going to say there. What I will point out and what we will continue to hammer in as this stuff moves forward is that the key metric here is exactly what Donald Trump or bust number there is. So in the 2016 primaries, it was around the low 30s to the mid 30s. And then once other pieces started getting cleared off the board, that's when more and more people boosted Trump's favor higher and higher and higher, right? But that core element, and you got to wonder whether or not it has, it certainly probably grew during the four years he was in office. You got to imagine that it shrunk a little since then. But the core audience for Trump, the absolute core audience, is it 15? Unlikely, that would seem a bit low. 25, that would be lower than it was before, but still in the neighborhood. 35, that would put it around where it was when things were going well back in 2016. Or is it higher? Is it 45? So these kinds of indicators, a one-on-one poll between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis doesn't tell you a ton. It does tell you that Donald Trump does not have an unquestioned hold on the Republican Party. 
it does very interestingly point out that since DeSantis has not officially, you know, announced he's going to run for president, that there is certainly an audience that wants to see him do it. There is an expectation that he will do it. But it doesn't spell doom for Trump. And that's what I think a lot of commentary has been about today, which is, well, look, look, look at this, this slide downward. Here are things that can all be true and we can hold our horses because there's a long time between now and Iowa over a year from as I speak to you. Who is going to get in this race? What lanes are they angling for? And who are they attacking? Right now, we've got one person in the race, Donald John Trump, and he is attacking 2020, right? <laughs> there, ain't, there ain't a lot that that man likes to talk about other than 2020. I don't know what kind of trank darts they had in that man's back that he went his uh, almost entire debut speech without talking about the rigged, the rigged election. Folks, it's just a rigged election. But, I mean, if you look at what he is talking about on True Social, it's pretty much only that. Trump hasn't gone after DeSantis. There was one DeSanctimonious during the, the, the midterm election, and, and that's pretty much been it. You have to imagine that Donald Trump will have knives out for Ron DeSantis. Who else will attack Ron DeSantis if he is looked at as the frontrunner? And how does Ron DeSantis handle all of it? But still, Trump is your front runner. Anybody that, like, if you, if you are wish casting the idea that everybody is going to clear out and let Trump and, and DeSantis fight, I got news for you. That ain't going to happen. And if there are other people for whom, you know, believe that DeSantis is maybe a little overvalued right now, hasn't taken a hit, Sure, he can play in Florida, but can he go national? Well, I think it's going to be a crowded field. That'll benefit Trump. One more thing on 2024. I wanted to take a look at a trend. That old bag of bones, Joe Biden, your first 80-year-old president. Turns out old dogs can still learn new tricks. Pulls off Dark Brandon's last stand during the midterms adds a seat in the Senate. Look at that. He still has life. So I wanted to take a look at his approval rating. As it stands right now, we still have a real clear politics average of negative 11.9. That puts it around where it's been for a while. Every once in a while, it'll dip even further than that. But 10 points underwater means you are an unpopular president. It doesn't mean that you're a radioactive president. However, there were a few outliers. A CNN poll at the beginning of December had him only down minus four. A Rasmussen Reports poll had him only down minus two. And the most recent poll taken between the 7th and the 9th of December, an IBDTIPP poll, had him only down nine. So if you see more single-digit stuff for Biden, then... You know, it's better. Doesn't mean people love him, but it means people haven't found an active reason to hate him. And 
If you are of the belief that this tracks one-to-one to gas prices and inflation, then having a cooling inflation, which I would describe as stopping the bleeding. It doesn't mean that you didn't just get stabbed. It doesn't mean that the pain goes away. It means that it looks like maybe the bleeding is stopping, which is fantastic. Now, if it hangs around at at 7.1 and doesn't deflate any further, it doesn't do us any good. But at least it's not up to 8 or 9 anymore. So that that is that is good news. As for gas prices, we will see where they go. They often have a mind of their own. But as it stands right now, Joe Biden still underwater by 12 points, but possibly heading northward. All right, gang, it is the time of giving. And I would like to thank you for all of your generosity throughout the year. Uh, uh, People who have carved money out of their budgets so they can support something that, you know, uh, uh, wasn't a job many years ago. I mean, not that many years ago. Uh, 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 the, The idea that you guys could support me sitting in this closet and and reading the news to you is is truly something remarkable, something that I I always you guys know I get weepy about this kind of stuff. I, I always love to earnestly say thank you to 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 you guys during this segment uh, because it, it matters and and it absolutely matters to me that you guys that you guys care. This has been a very fascinating few weeks, especially when it comes to commentary uh, in in the off time. We've had a few stories break over that weekend time slot for which gets covered on the Monday show that only goes out to members of the $3 club, folks who head on over to takepoliticsseriously.com and subscribe at the $3 level. Or that takes place after Wednesday or Wednesday night. All that gets covered on the late edition. And, uh, you know, we we actually did cover some some breaking news on the Friday episode last week. But that was totally by accident. It was totally by accident. It was because the great and powerful Brett uh, Stewart, who edits our Friday episode, had a family emergency and wasn't able to upload it until the morning. And at that point, when I saw that Kirsten Cinema had switched parties, I was like, all right, all right, let me, let me let me tag something on there just so people, because if it's late, people might expect it. Uh, but otherwise, all that stuff is loaded into the hopper, so it goes live at midnight on Friday. We want to be the first thing that you guys listen to each and every week. Uh, you know, this has been a, a very spacious schedule for me over the last uh, few weeks. I've still been out of town probably every other week, but at least it's not every single week. I've been able to get back to my normal schedule. And and as that happens, I always just just marvel at the fact that I get to have this job. It's It's been my dream job. It is my dream job. Uh, and I will continue to rock and roll with it as long as you guys will have me. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 level gets you two bonus episodes in a, in a in a private feed. You put it in your podcatcher. You never have to log in again. That's TakePoliticsSeriously.com.
It's become clear to me that uh, this prolonged leadership turmoil uh, would do uh, irreparable harm to the institution. Uh, so this morning, I informed my colleagues that uh, I would resign from the speakership and resign from Congress at the end of October. That is the voice of outgoing Speaker of the House at the time, John Boehner, resigning not only his leadership position, but also leaving Congress entirely. And in the intervening time when John Boehner went on to become a weed lobbyist, the reason why he was pushed out has remained in flux. It's called motion to vacate the chair. And before Boehner was looked to be pushed out by the insurgent Tea Party wing in 2015, it hadn't been used in over a century. Boehner's successor, Paul Ryan, had to live in fear of the Tea Party because they constantly threatened to marshal the resources to do the same to him. So, exactly what is the motion to vacate? Well, it's only been tried twice. (laughs) March in 1910, and then, when it happened in 2015, to John Boehner. The reality of it is, is that we don't exactly know what it's supposed to be. It technically in the laws of Congress is supposed to be a privileged vote, meaning that any one member of the House of Representatives, a notoriously contentious bunch, by the way, can say, I motion to vacate the Speaker of the House. Now, only one person tried to do that in our modern era. That was since gone from the House of Representatives and running uh, the the chief of staff for Donald Trump and, and now still with Trump world, Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows is the one who motioned to vacate John Boehner. That didn't become a privilege vote. It wound up becoming a non-privilege vote. It threw it to the Rules Committee, but Boehner said, you want to know what? Knock it off. I don't want to see how this ends. He leaves. They threatened it with Paul Ryan, blah, blah, blah. Nancy Pelosi, when she gets in, says... No, 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 no. The new rule going forward is that you can only motion to vacate if the leader of your party says that you are going to motion to vacate. But here's the problem. Right now, Kevin McCarthy has a ticking clock. He has less than a month, 20 some odd days, depending on when you are hearing this, maybe less to get to 218 votes so he will be the next Speaker of the House. Right now, he's got more Republicans saying that they are not going to vote for him than he can allow, unless he has Democrats defect. So what do these no votes in the GOP want in return for them back in their opinion on up like a U-Haul truck? Well... Conservatives who don't believe that McCarthy is up for the task of being speaker want the motion to uh, motion to vacate to hold him accountable. McCarthy, of course, says, no, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on, guys. I've got a razor thin margin here. I do not want every time somebody gets uh, hot on a topic that we can't move on right now or they want to jump the line with their pet project, I can't have somebody looking to motion to vacate me. Well, it looks like he may have the cave. He needs the votes, after all. 
and he is signaling that there might be some wiggle room. Quote, according to Punchbowl, you can always discuss a different number. And he's got reasoning for it. Even if this is just a gun for the Freedom Caucus to point at his head, he's like, you don't want a weapon that everybody can use. Noting that if it's only one vote, do you not think that the Democrats aren't going to do it every single day? Quote, do you not think Eric Swalwell will make a motion every day? McCarthy said on Monday. And yet, the heart wants what it wants. Representative Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, who met with McCarthy on Monday during his goodwill tour amongst hostile enemy waters, said he wants a single member to have the ability to call for a referendum on the speaker. Quote, Thomas Jefferson wrote that. Lasted essentially a couple hundred years. Nancy Pelosi changed it. Why shouldn't that accountability last for everyone? End quote. And how McCarthy handles this is going to really define whether or not he's going to be able to thread this needle. Most people in the know seem to believe that Kevin McCarthy will indeed be the next speaker. Our pal Evan Scrimshaw has written on his political betting column that, hey, if you want some outside money, Steve Scalise will be the next speaker is looking pretty tasty. As he would be a way station in the Republican Party that if McCarthy flames out, would be the natural stopping point. But there still remains the question. How does he do it? Does he peel off Democratic votes? Is there a little bit of uh, uh, rule and, and, and count gerrymandering that he can do? We'll discuss that a little later with Bill Scher as well. Meanwhile, Tom Cole from Oklahoma, the top Republican on the Rules Committee, says, I am totally opposed to a single vote being able to trigger a referendum on the speaker every single day. Quote, not only do you blackmail the speaker, it blackmails everyone. I think it's a really bad idea. That's my personal opinion. We'll live with it if the conference decide, but it's not something that I would support. Our guest today is a writer for the Washington Monthly, for Politico, and a regular guest here on PX3. Everybody clear out, clear out, clear out, especially if you were if you were on that red wave train, if you were on that 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 Latuya Bay train right before the midterms, everybody needs to step back. I'm going to take a step back myself. I thought I thought that the Republicans were going to take the Senate. I thought that Carrie Lake would be the next governor of Arizona. One man said, uh-uh. And I got to say, I'm happy that we had his voice on before the votes were cast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the program, Mr. Bill Share. Great to be with you. So, Arizona, before we get started, uh, there was one lone voice on this show that came on before the midterms and said that Katie Hobbs uh, uh, had a shot. And indeed, foreshadowing, you said she could run a boring campaign and win just like Kirsten Cinema. Kirsten Cinema will be the bulk of our conversation, but please run around the bases, raise your hands to the sky and take a victory lap on Katie Hobbs. Uh, I will. I'll own that. I'll, I'm, I'm happy to uh, receive all your accolades and your money. Uh, Patreon.com slash Bill Share. Um, uh, but I, it, and I'm not going to pretend I was like 
she's a lock like bet your bet that bet your life savings yeah. on katie hobbs uh but i had a general view of the midterm which was that crazy was going to lose yes uh and uh and katie hobbs was running a strategy that i i believe was a self-aware strategy that acknowledged you know what i'm not great on tv i'm not uh agile in debates that's not where my strength is why should i play a game on carrie lake's turf yeah i'm gonna hang in the last week of the campaign she did a katie hobbs did a housing policy roundtable with 10 people and no press yeah the same day that carrie lake had a rally with steve bannon yeah steve bannon next george washington uh, so I'm not saying all candidates you should have uh, policy roundtables with no press. That's that's not the secret. But she, I think Katie has recognized that keeping the focus on Carrie Lake made a referendum on Carrie Lake, and Carrie Lake would lose the referendum. And that in in yeah in, in a purple state that that was enough gas to get over the finish line, and it was barely over the finish line. But but still, she got there, and you called it. So uh, uh, let's let's stay in Arizona. Because the big news coming out of uh, uh, that state is that Kirsten Sinema will no longer be registered as a Democrat. She will now be an independent. Obviously, legislatively, this doesn't have a gigantic, uh, a seismic uh, 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 shift. It's not like the balance of power is going from one place to another. But electorally. This certainly is 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 the most interesting. So if you have anything on on, on the legislative element, then then go ahead and put that here. Otherwise, well, let, let, do, let's, let's start. All right, then go ahead. Um, I, I, I you know, I've been a cinema defender for a long time. Yeah, uh, I think she, I, I think she's been the most effective legislator of the last two years. Okay. Uh, I think she got some uh, important stuff passed, particularly infrastructure and gun safety that. I think is relevant to uh, the Democrats' success of the midterms. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the amount of hate that she gets, I, I think, is is largely. I mean, it's not baseless. There are reasons why people are mad at her, but I I think over the past few years, the pros uh, certainly outweigh the cons. Uh, and I think she has taken wrong lessons from that in this decision. Because she was m- making a case that we have to, you know, transcend partisanship to get things done in Washington. And that's yeah. why she doesn't want to be beholden to uh, the party labels. And I think she is failing to recognize that having the D next to her name was very useful to her legis- legislatively. When she crafts an infrastructure deal, she could bank on keeping those 50 Democrats. Yeah. And the remaining challenge was getting a faction of Republicans to recognize, you know what? It's in your interest to do this. Yes. And that's just a fact. Mitch McConnell say, even though Democrats want this and Biden wants this, it's in your interest too. And it's not going to make your electoral prospects worse. Uh, it's if if you fail to do this, I don't know what exactly word she used. I'm sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think the subtext was, you fail if you fail to accept this reasonable compromise, you're going to look really bad. 
Yes. So you might as well neutralize this issue, and then we can fight about something else when it comes to election time. Yeah. Uh, Now, as an independent, she doesn't automatically get 49 other Democrats to simply assume that her interests are their interests. Why do they automatically presume if I vote for a Kirsten Cinema deal, that's good for me? Because uh, if you're still in the race in 2024 as an independent and we have a credible Democrat on the ballot, well, then we're going to split the vote and elect a Republican. So maybe it's in my interest as a Democrat to make your life as miserable as possible. So you only get, you know, at best 5% or, or you don't run at all. Uh, and a Democrat can beat a Republican the way Katie Hobbs and, and Mark Kelly did in, in 2020. Uh, so she, I'm not saying that it means it makes it impossible for her to, to pass a bill, uh, but she now has a double challenge yes. to convince enough people on both sides of the aisle work with me, even though I'm not with either one of you. Well, I, I do think that in terms of the next two years, obviously with the House flipping to the to, to, to the Republican Party, then there's going to be a little bit less pressure of the we got to go now, everybody get on the same page. And that's where I think a lot of the urgency to do the things that made her unpopular, like hesitate to abandon the filibuster to put forward, you know, uh, various different uh, democratic causes that, that that's what, that's what got her in that situation. You're not going to have that same kind of ratcheted pressure in the next two years while she thinks about running. Although I, I do believe, do you agree with me that that the video she put out, the rollout she did for her independent thing, that is the beginning of her 24 campaign, right? Yeah. You know, and I, and I, and I heard some chatter that maybe she was talking about running for president uh and i when i saw the video i said this is an arizona video this isn't that's an arizona video video. this is like i love waking up in arizona i love phoenix and bisbee and sedona and all that stuff yeah uh i definitely felt it was a 2024 arizona senate campaign video uh now maybe she still bows out maybe she runs the president i don't know but i i thought that was the intent of that video uh and 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 i obviously can't say that she can't pull it off uh i i I love to see some polling i love to see some oh boy you want to see gallego cinema ducey gallego cinema lake stanton uh stanton cinema ducey stanton cinema lake and really see how it all shakes out when you have certain democrats and certain republicans of different flavors uh, up up against her and even if she's losing those polls today doesn't mean they won't look different a year from now uh yes but but cinema's great potential strength is her effectiveness yes uh, and and i think as you were alluding to just before you know 2023 is not looking very ripe for legislation no matter what you do at all because whatsoever because you have could you have a house that's republican and a senate that's democrat uh very much like when john boehner was the republican uh speaker in uh 2011 2012 uh and 2013 uh even if Bain, even though Boehner had some moderate sensibilities, he was afraid to take Senate legislation and put it on the floor if it yeah. didn't have majority Republican support. So they all they all they all died slow death. Uh, McCarthy is probably an even more spineless character than John Boehner, <laughs> so you wouldn't count on him to take any kind of Senate compromise, even if it was bipartisan. Had McConnell's blessing, you wouldn't assume he put it on the floor. Having said that, maybe McCarthy is not Speaker. You know, this there's a huge unknown here. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not all putting high odds on this, uh, but it is a non-zero possibility that the 
uh, the far right types that want to kneecap McCarthy and not and not give him the 218 that he needs. And just so folks that already know, you need a majority of the full house. Yes. Speaker, not just majority of the party caucus or conference. Uh, so McCarthy won the Republican vote to be the party leader, but he needs essentially near unanimity uh, to actually win the, the final floor vote. So if everybody votes, and sometimes they don't, but if everybody votes, he can only lose uh, four Republicans. Three is, yeah, is it three or four? Yeah. I, I, four. Because um, they're at 222. So we can lose four and, and stay at 218. Um, yeah. So that's like people vote present or they don't show up to the vote. So that numbers can be fiddled with. But um, so there's a little bit of chatter that if the far right Republicans just are completely incorrigible and refuse to compromise anything, that you get some Republicans to say, screw it, let's work with a faction of Democrats and nominate a bipartisan speaker, still be a Republican. Uh, yeah. Uh, but someone who isn't going to, because what the Freedom Caucus types, it's not the entire Freedom Caucus, but those types, what they want is to have, you know, the sword dangling over the speaker at all times. If you don't do what we want, if you don't uh, play, play the game of chicken with the debt limit, you don't do the government yeah. shutdowns to uh, get rid of this this program or that program, uh, then we can easily fire you. And so the tail is always wagging the dog. And so uh, this is this is this is actually something that we will have talked about on this show before we start uh, this this interview, which is the the motion to veto, which had right. been around. Vacate. Uh, uh, yeah, motion to vacate. Sorry, uh, motion to vacate, where uh, uh, you know you can have the opportunity to to remove a speaker that is like a, a essentially a a loaded gun that was pointed at John Boehner that was used uh, uh, oftentimes to threaten uh, uh, Paul Ryan, uh, Nancy Pelosi reigned that power back when she became right. speaker. And now that is a big part of the negotiation is all right. Well, if you want these Matt Gates's and, and, and Andy Biggs's to, to think about getting you over to 18, then you need to give them this loaded gun back. Right. So to bring it back to cinema, you know, let's say that, you know, the moderate Republicans, you know, Don Bacon and Brian, Brian Fitzpatrick, they find a way to work with Henry Quayle uh, Yar and Jared Golden on the Democratic side and put up uh, a, a Republican speaker, but someone who says, uh, I'm going to put a debt limit increase bill on the floor. I'm, I'm not going to play yeah. a Russia roulette with that. Uh, we're going to do our darndest to avoid government shutdowns. Uh, if there's a bill that comes out of the Senate and we can find something in the, in the ballpark that has a majority uh, of support, even if it's not a majority of Republicans, I'll put that on the floor. I don't know if they have to make all those pledges to get Democrat. I mean, just the debt limit itself. Just yeah. to have someone to say, here, we're not going to uh, implode the global economy. Just to get that would be reason enough to have Democrats say, you know what? Sorry, Hakeem Jeffries. I'm not going to do the symbolic vote for you. I'm going to get this new speaker in there. Um, if that happens, maybe, maybe it's a 5% chance that happens. But if that happens, then the pressure is really on cinema. You have a yes. potentially cooperative house now. You told us that you did this to transcend partisanship. To be independent. And to get things done, you know, you're, you got to deliver. And what's weird to me is that for the last two years, she did deliver. I mean, if the, if the friend of 2021, you had all these Democrats saying, what are you talking about? McConnell's not going to cooperate on anything. I don't care yep. how bipartisan a moderate is. He is just an obstructionist. 
He's a nihilist. He wants to burn everything down and then blame the Democrats for it. And Cinema and Joe Manchin there said, I don't think that's true. I think we can talk to McConnell and get and, and get some things. And they were correct. They yes. got some things. It wasn't and it wasn't just the lowest hanging fruit. I mean, I, I I'm a fairly optimistic person. I didn't think they were gonna get a gun bill passed. I mean, yep. again, I'm not saying I'm not saying it wasn't assault weapons ban or anything, but it was a hell of a lot more than I thought they were gonna get. You know, I think she delivered and that bolstered her reputation. But that I think that's now a bit under threat if she if, if there's no second act in the next two years. So my guess in in reading the tea leaves and, and watching this develop and, and also informed by a friend of mine who went and watched the Senate gallery, uh, gallery a few weeks ago and said that she has never seen mean girl behavior like the rest of the Democrats were to Kirsten Cinema in terms of body language is that she was effectively an independent from the point that she decided to stand with Manchin and shoot down Build Back Better and, and that everybody in the Democratic Party, which had been put you know, voice to by leadership was going to primary her. They were going to visit Arizona to try and kneecap her. And so from her perspective, I looked at it like this. If the Republicans took the Senate, then congratulations. Now your number one thing in the primary is boy, keeping that filibuster sure looks like a good idea now, doesn't it? Like my opponent really, really wanted to make sure that Mitch McConnell had an opportunity to pass whatever he wanted. Uh, and and now he doesn't. Well, turns out Dr. Oz, Herschel Walker, Blake Masters, yada, yada, yada. The Democrats keep the Senate. And now she's in a position where, all right, she could have went face up with, with Gallego or whoever they're going to run in, in the primary. Or she can just say, I dare you. I dare you, Democratic Party. I dare you, luminaries, to come on down here to Arizona and campaign for somebody when the 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 there's a material likelihood that me being in this race means that it goes to the Republican Party. And and your best option right now is to the the only way to win for you is not to play. Yeah, I mean, I'm partial to believing that she could have won a Democratic primary. Now, I think she. I think things. so too, for the record. I, yeah. I think I think so too. I, th- I think incumbency matters, and and Arizona yeah. is a fairly pragmatic state. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you look at the polls today. You would you would say she wouldn't, and and but the points polls today aren't necessarily polls tomorrow. Uh, and now I certainly think she could have done things differently over the past two years. So her position in the party wasn't as weak as it is now, and I don't mean by changing her issue set, but I think her communication strategy was almost designed to anger as many people as possible you know yes other moderate democrats in purple the red states rank ranks from time to time without engendering the the hatred in the base that she has engendered uh so 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 you think think the big thumbs down maybe uh uh something that that you that you wanted to have back i mean i think she made deliberate choices i mean again i we're getting into you know cycle babble here so forgive me um yeah but it just feels like she is comfortable being a party of one. And yes. so she did things that were, that were self-fulfilling in that regard. You know, she, she, she didn't meet with the progressive groups to say, Hey, you know, I know we disagree on this or that, but here's, here's my thing. And this is why I'm doing it. And, you know, we can agree to disagree, but we're on the same page on X, Y, and Z. So let's, let's agree not to make this too, too hostile. She didn't do any of that kind of stuff. She didn't campaign yeah. with Katie Hobbs. She didn't campaign with Mark Kelly. You know, she seemed to be moving towards this the entire time. So 
of course the polls are terrible for her amongst Arizona Democrats. And so, of course, you'd say, well, she can't win a Democratic primary because because of things that she did to make those that situation as bad as it is right now. Um, but I, even as bad as it is today, I think she could have reversed course and done a more aggressive outreach strategy and done more interviews. And that this notion that she wants is all she wants is attention. I, she does very little media. She doesn't do all that yeah. much stuff to attract attention. Uh, she could be a far bigger show horse if she wanted to be. I think she's been a pretty decent workhorse uh, without drawing a lot of attention to herself. Um, well, she certainly makes a lot of content. I, I don't know if she appears in a lot of content, but certainly she became the 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 whipping post for for you know the the MSNBC crowd throughout the 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 dog days of the Biden administration when you know the, the filibuster was the only thing that anybody could talk about, and she was one of the villains. But often because she was silent, she she very rarely defended and explained herself. She gave selective comments, floor speech here, published statement there, occasional interview with the Arizona media. She was never a flood the zone uh, media yeah. figure. And so a lot of the criticism about her hangs in the air, especially in, in MSNBC world, which yeah. clearly influences Democratic primary uh, of voters. So. They think the worst of her as uh, uh, as a matter of course. Uh, so she's put herself in an awkward position. Uh, but I think that's I, I think it's it would be fixable if she put her shoulder into it. But she's choosing to go in a, in a different in different direction. So she's made her decisions. She'll have to make those work. How do you think her odds are affected by this for 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 twenty four? Do you think that she is more or less likely to be reelected? by going independent. I mean, it's it's a really untested proposition. I mean, look, we have certain examples where independent and independent-ish senators uh, candidates have pulled it off. You know, Angus King, you know, mm -hmm. wins in Maine, but he was he was already governor. He'd already established yeah. a very strong reputation. He'd already effectively sidelined Democrats. Uh and so, and at this point, Democrats don't even, don't even try to give it because he's an effective Democrat. So they, 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 let, yeah. they let him have his eye. Same with Bernie Sanders uh, in Vermont. He had built up enough of a reputation. He'd been in an, uh, a, a, as a House member uh, to say when he went to the Senate, you know, he, he actually runs the Democratic primary, wins it going away, and then rejects the nomination. You know, so yeah. there is, there's no effect the Democratic opposition there. Lisa Murkowski, uh, already as an incumbent R, Lost, lost the primary to Joe Miller. She's walking around as a write-in, and has weak Democratic opposition there. So she gets a bunch of Democratic votes, and she wins, running up the middle. But then still is nominally Republican once uh, when, when she wins. So there's ways to do it, but you really need. It's it's really hard to do it when you have robust candidates on both sides, because then you need to have yeah. a really because then you need like thirty-five to forty. You know who, who's the guy that did it. Uh, and it really wasn't a Senate race. It was Jesse Ventura running for governor yeah. uh, in the 90s. He won in like the high 30s against really credible Democratic and Republican candidates. Uh, and there's a reason why he pulled that off. It's called same-day registration. Uh, <laughs> he, he had almost the vast majority of his vote from same-day registrants, a lot of whom were like 20-something male wrestling fans who don't normally vote. So, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of factors in that that are hard for other people to replicate. So cinema is is taking a big, you know, dive into a potentially empty pool. 
saying, I'm going to find the center-left Democrats and the center-right Republicans are going to break away from legitimate nominees that they have uh, without being confident that I'm going to spoil the race one way or the other and elect and elect the opposite party's candidate. Uh, so that's going to come down to what the polling looks like when you close to election day. People have to make strategic decisions based on what they think might happen if they go a different way with their vote. Let's walk that forward then, because you mentioned credible candidates on both sides. And certainly whoever comes out from the Democrats will be well-funded and will will probably, if, if just by personal animus alone, have a few celebrities uh, uh, come through and stump for them. But the GOP in Arizona has been Looney Tunes for uh, the, 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 you know, at this point, the better part of a decade. And I don't necessarily see anything changing from them in the next two years. There's, there's, uh, you know, if you were to tell me now, will a, a candidate that is a, a playable from the Republican party in Arizona, uh, appeal to the the surrounding suburbs of Phoenix that that they need to start speaking to again, or will they try to convince Kanye West to move to Tucson? I would believe that they are currently in contact with Nick Fuentes. Like like there, there is there is no uh, to me. I would bet on the idea that the uh, Arizona Republican Party is going to nominate somebody that is. You know, the, the exact thing that Kirsten Cinema needs in terms of peeling off whatever Republican support she needs. But it's but it's very much an unknown. I mean, it, it, yeah. What you say is a plausible scenario. If Carrie Lake won that primary. Blake Masters won his primary. Uh, there uh, clearly are diehard election deniers that hate McCain Republicans and would rather lose than appeal to those people. Uh, Carrie Lake is still uh, making a lot of noise and. There's, and there is some talk that she might run for Senate now. Uh, so Lake being the nominee and she, she, has, she, she has to stop running for governor uh, at some point, <laughs> theoretically, theoretically. Um, so if she is the nominee, then Simba would have an easier time peeling off center right Republicans. And we and, and you know, the other independent example that I didn't mention earlier was Connecticut 2006 when uh, Joe Lieberman was mm -hmm. primaried. By Democrats with Ned Lamont, because uh, Lieberman was all in on the Iraq war. Lamont beats Lieberman in the primary. Lieberman says, eh, whatever, I'm going to start my own party, Connecticut for Lieberman. And uh, the Republican candidate was, was a nobody. And so Lieberman won that election with a lot of Republican votes. Because uh, you know, because you know, Northeast Republicans are not hardcore social conservatives. So that wasn't so you know, Lieberman's positions on abortion say what weren't uh, fatal for him. And now you get Lieberman elected as with a different base of support. And guess what, Democrats? He was a much bigger jackass after you kicked him out of the party. After. And he yeah. won as independent. So, I mean, I, I had a Twitter thread about this that made a lot of folks on the left mad saying, you Democrats run the risk. They, they didn't oust her in a primary. They just hounded her out. And I'm not saying yeah. she doesn't take blame for this because, as I said earlier, I think she does. Um, uh, but if her base of support changes and she answers to a different group of people, that that might affect how she votes on certain things. So if, 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 if Arizona Republicans are just can't quit Trump, can't quit Lake, can't quit Blake Masters and those types, then yeah, cinema's got a shot at piecing together uh, a ideologically heterodox coalition. But it's also possible that Arizonans say, man, that, 
2022 election sucked. Boy, yeah. Blake and Masters, they were the worst. But this Kimberly Lee, we elected as treasurer after she backed away from Trump. She was kind of Trumpish, you know, a year ago, but she didn't, yeah. but she wasn't super Trump this year. Uh, she won going away with 56% of the vote. Arizona Republicans won the popular vote in the House races. We are still a center-right state, and we're only losing because we keep nominating idiots. Let's stop nominating yeah. idiots. Maybe Doug Ducey, the outgoing governor, runs for Senate. Maybe Taylor Robson, who was the runner-up in the Senate primary, she uh, in the governor primary, maybe she runs for Senate. If that's the case, then Cinema's job is a lot harder, if not impossible. Yeah, the question would be exactly who is that Arizona GOP primary base right now? Because, you know, the party is something that seems more concerned about uh, pouring another foot of dirt on John McCain's grave than it is in winning elections. And uh, their their leadership has been absolutely wackadoodle ever since, you know, they, they, they uh, uh, you know, learned that it takes two L's to spell McSally, which I guess would be the, the other side of it is that like, hey, they, they ran somebody that was more center of the road, more McCain Republican twice for Senate. She lost twice, once to cinema. Uh, uh, so now they've run candidates that are far more on, on, on the MAGA lane and they have lost there too. So, so where is the, the, the magic middle for them? And it's, it's so unsettled. The whole Republican electorate, I think, is very much in flux, not just in Arizona, but nationally, but certainly very acutely in Arizona. Uh, if I was cinema and I had this idea of, you know, if I was in her circle of advisors and she was asking my opinion, what do you think I should do here? I would say, why don't you wait? Why don't you wait to see how Arizona Republicans start to go? Why don't you wait to see how the House Speaker election goes? Why don't you wait to see how productive you can be? Uh, remaining in your position over the next year. You can make the independent decision at the front end of 2024. You don't have to do it now. Uh, you could try to mend some fences with Democrats to strengthen your position in the primary and see how that goes. Uh, but uh, my my gut opinion, which I can't, obviously because I can't be a mind reader, is she just wanted to. I, mean, I hear she, she wanted the attention. She wants to suck up to the corporation. She wants to cash out. You don't have to be an independent to cash out. They all can cash no. out. Yeah, you can, you can cash out at any time. You want to cash out. You know, Chris Dodd and Barney Frank passed Wall Street regulation, and then Barney Frank is now sitting on some bank board, and Chris Dodd became the lobbyist for, for Hollywood. Like, anybody yeah. can cash out. So yes. The, nothing she did here was required if, 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 if in her heart of hearts she is like a Chamber of Commerce hack. Uh, yes. So I just don't accept that as a rationale for what she's doing. I, and so what, what, I, what I circle back to is that I just think psychologically, she's comfortable being party of one. She just likes likes feeling that she is operating on her own radar, makes her own decisions. And uh, and I, I fear for her that she is wrong, uh, that she, a, a, as much as she did successfully as a idiosyncratic Democrat, it still was very helpful to be a Democrat to do what she has done so far. Yeah, I, I look, I, I've been on this show and and when people were, were the maddest at Kirsten Cinema, I remain steadfast that I'm like, well, keep keep that same energy when she wins the primary in 24, because I very much believe that she was going to do it. I think that incumbency is a very uh, tough thing. And at the end of the day, especially if the, the, the Republicans were nominating somebody super goofy, that she could look across the aisle and say, hey, look, who do you want? The person who's won? 
or the person who you think might win. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a powerful motivator for for for, for, for primary voters. With it's the, the very place that very she's at, rare. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's extraordinarily rare for an incumbent senator to lose a primary, and an yes. incumbent house member for that matter. I mean, and, and even rare for that for that defeat to be on ideological grounds. Usually, it's because of some kind of scandal. Uh, yeah. So uh, as as acute as her problems were with the Democratic base, I think there's a lot of historical evidence to say, to say, you know, you could overcome that if you just put in a little bit of sweat into it. That being said, I can see the 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 bet for her is that if I win this election, I'm in this seat until I I want to leave. Like like the 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 independent senator from Arizona is a brand. If that's the brand that she wants to have. I think that is a powerful one, and if and if she wins, I think it's going to be hard for for people to un, un unseat her. Oh, if she if she won again, and she was still basically voting like a Democrat, yes, uh, uh, voting for Democratic judges, voting for ninety percent of Democratic legislation. Obviously, she would still be difficult about corporate taxes. She might be difficult about the filibuster, but still, by and large, being a Democrat. If she won again, and she wanted to run one more time in twenty thirty. I respect Arizona Democrats would say, don't even bother. You know, screw she's it. She's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, unless Arizona became so crazy blue with that six, I mean, it's a bluing state in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think a fair reading of Arizona is it's not all that blue. Democrats, no. when they win, they just barely win. And, and usually because the Republicans nominated morons. So you can't assume that just any generic Democrat can win there. Uh, you'd have to get a sense that that Arizona had moved considerably farther left in that six-year period for Democrats to say, you know what, we, we don't need cinema around. We could we could try to primary again. I think more likely it would be an Angus King, Bernie Sanders kind of situation where they would say, you know what, let's just leave, let, 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 leave, let things lie. Well, we will have to see going forward. But of course, the sage advice and wisdom of Bill Share will help us guide the way. Uh, Bill, <laughs> what, what do you got coming up? You know, I'm working on a piece right now. I've, I've done this last three years. This will be my fourth year-end Politico assessment of the 2024 candidates. I've been doing the 2024 assessment since 2019. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and um, which was kind of like initially, let's do something like, this is the most ludicrous clickbait idea possible. Right? It's yep. doing a 2024 yep. piece in 2019. And of course, now it's getting a little bit more real. Uh, but uh, they're, they're, they're hard pieces to write. There's a lot, it's a lot of candidates out there, a lot of threads that kind of tie together. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in the midst of sweating that analysis right now. I'll tell you what, man, it is, it is a wild one because, uh, you know, the last time you were on, we were talking about the midterms and, and uh, you correctly picked uh, on my list of possibilities. The one that I think would, and I think has to a large extent shut up a lot of the the vultures around uh, uh, Biden needs to step down and and there needs to be a primary. And yet you see a lot of polls that are that are still saying that the vast majority of Democratic voters are not that the vast, but the a majority of Democratic voters want to see somebody else. New USA Today poll uh, 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 showing that that now Trump down double digits to Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, has not announced that he's running for president. So well, a, a I, I lot, a lot of sliding, sliding uh, tiles here. I do think that I, I think there are two polls post midterm that had a slight majority of Democrats saying we do want Biden to run. OK, um, 
that and that, that and that's come up a few points you know since since the midterm it was still a majority of the country saying don't got you okay uh, democrats and, yeah but but and, still and, 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 and it wasn't like it wasn't 70 percent it was like you know 51 percent or so yeah know? uh and i think there was one other cnbc poll where biden was still underwater with democrats uh but the thing with biden is that e- even though there is that tenuousness with the electorate uh it was a strong enough midterm strong enough post midterm uh you know getting um you know Brittany Griner out for example uh inflation numbers you know good just just today good good yeah good uh, today yep there are enough good things happening for Biden that the the political cost to be the first democrat to challenge Biden got much no. much higher no 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 uh, yeah that that, that, that that's not going to happen he would have to back out and and my 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 thought from the very beginning was that it would it would it would be a health thing or something like there's no there's no world in which joe biden says i am willfully saying that i would not i i'm going to be the guy that doesn't run for president again nobody works that hard to be the president and then decides they they don't want to take the easier of the two campaigns i i absolutely agree with that and plus and he has to know that if he does step down there isn't an obvious successor obviously kamala is like the literal obvious successor but it's not a given that she keeps all of his support and yeah. can run a strong general election race. I mean, and I'm not a Kamala hater. I think she could win that race. But in the numbers as they exist today, you can't be confident about that. So you don't have this clamor of Democratic Party voice saying to Biden, you know, you're you're our weak link. Get out. Yeah. As it stands, he's the strongest. He's the strongest link. Uh, so uh, I, that pressure is probably not going to be there unless. Let's say it's two months from now and Biden is trailing Trump and DeSantis by 10 points. You know, then the panic may start anew. Uh, but over the polls we've seen, you know, Biden is generally he's beating, he's doing better vis-a-vis Trump than DeSantis, but generally competitive with both. Uh, so it's not as if there is a sense that he is a dead man walking. We got to get him out of here right away. One last thing on the way out of here, because you are you are talking about this. Uh... You're talking about the, the, this 24 preview uh, race that you have now watched, I guess, for another four <laughs> years. Uh, how much do you buy the sinking Trump narrative and how much is it just so much to talk about so long before this stuff actually matters? Uh, well, I think it totally matters. Uh, look, p- people are making decisions whether to run or not. And so yeah. how they think Trump, how beatable Trump is, it matters greatly to people's calculations. Uh so two things. Uh, one is Trump has obviously had a terrible year. His standing in the party is weaker than it was at the start of the year. And yep. uh, I, I think there's, there's no argument otherwise. Um, uh, and DeSantis is obviously the hot hand. That's not to say that DeSantis is a lock, uh, but he's the hot hand. Um, but it's still possible that the support that Trump retains is rock solid and if it's in that upper 30s low 40s range that can be enough yes. to win primaries so the poll you decided has the santa beating trump in a one-on-one it doesn't start off as a one-on-one it's not going to be a one-on-one uh, no 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 uh so we don't know how well the santas is going to fare one once he announces once others announced, and once the battle is really joined and DeSantis starts taking some punches because he's not going to get to go off scot-free and all this. Uh, and the other big unknown is if and when Donald Trump gets indicted 
by the Justice Department, which I would think is more likely than not at this point. Well, January 6th commission is going to come out. I imagine they're going to recommend an indictment. It's going to be politically tricky for uh, a special prosecutor to say, I didn't see anything here, nothing to see. Uh, so I, I, I would lean towards there being a, a prosecution. I can't obviously predict it because I'm not a special prosecutor or let alone a lawyer. What was Trump's best day this year? When he got raided by the FBI. The Mar-a-Lago raid, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's all right around him. The the one thing that that from me watching Trump from 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 the golden escalator on and, and probably even a few uh, 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 fake out tries before he's usually been good about picking the thing that he's weirdly obsessed about. The thing that he's weirdly obsessed about uh, has proven more often than not to be a thing that at the very least his core and his base really, 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 really cares about. And there's no doubt that an element of his core and his base really care about the 2020 election. But you talked about that, that Brittany Griner thing. And that was a positive for, for Joe Biden. There was a lot of really good press around it. There was a lot of criticism about it. And if there's one thing for which the Trump brand, you would think he would want to hit head on is to meet some of the, 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 the conversation around Paul Whelan and whether or not that was a bad deal and whether or not the, the prisoner swap was equal or it should have been done. He's the deal guy. That's his, that's his thing. And in looking at the stuff that he's talking about, it's all about either the 2020 election, the Twitter files, which are essentially about the 2020 election. And uh, 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 then there was like a Babylon B uh, retruth about how uh, Joe Biden has now started reading the art of the deal after getting fleeced by Russia. And then there was one thing about how his, his philosophy on, on trading various people. From, this from is Trump on his social media from page. Trump on, on, on Trump social or a tr- a true social. This to me shows that, I don't know. I, I'm at the point now where I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm starting to buy that he might've lost his his fastball in terms of of knowing what the groove of the Republican Party is right now. I believe your math, because I think that that is something that people need to focus on. But I don't know exactly where that core base is. And I don't know if it's high 30s, low 40s or if it's low 30s, high 20s. And if, it, if it's, it's not known, not known. Yeah. And, and, I, I, and I think and I wouldn't presume based on poll numbers today that those are static, I think. When Trump and DeSantis, when that cage match begins, we don't know how that plays out. We don't know who gets the the better of that fight and if they both just destroy each other completely and give, give an opening to a third person. Um, and I agree with you. I think Trump's obsession with 2020 has been a total loser. It not only hurts him, it hurt all of his candidates. Yep. It hurt. Uh, it, it made the midterms uh, worse for Republicans. And DeSantis, generally speaking, has been better at picking fresh fights. Uh, yes. You know, d- determining, you know, I mean, he is the, the advantage of being a governor, so he has control, he has powers, but he has used that very aggressively to like start fights. I mean, and yes. Like, my analytical capabilities, like, uh, I, I'm like in a dead spot in Florida. I'm, I'm wrong about DeSantis all the time. I keep thinking this hand's overplaying his hand, and so far he's yet to do it. So I'm not arguing that yeah. I'm an all knowing person here. Um, but you know the the migrant stuff, the Disney stuff. You know, mm-hmm. uh, denying vaccines to to babies. It's one thing to say like you shouldn't have to have a vaccine, but it's like I'm not going to let you have the vaccine. I'm going to make it harder yep. for you to get a vaccine for your kid. I all thought this was stuff that would hurt him. Didn't hurt him at all. Uh, now, just today, he's doing a policy roundtable with a bunch of vaccine skeptics. 
Yep. And I'm saying, and so again, totally be wrong here because I, my DeSantis reader is terrible. But that to me feels like Trump in 2020. Why are you still fighting COVID? I, I know like it's your thing, DeSantis. Like you're Florida is the state of freedom. I didn't listen to the. Oh, the I got. I got. I got some 4D chess for you. Are you Are you ready? You ready for this? Uh, I believe that the reason why he is going to keep that fresh is because that is the tip of his spear against Trump. His the the the, the tip of his spear against Trump is when everything came down with COVID, you crumbled, you failed. You kept Fauci there. You 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 pushed for uh, these lockdowns. He's going to show the tweets about how lockdowns worked in in America and it didn't work in Sweden and blah 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 blah. When you look at like the DeSantis hive uh, that like on Twitter, the people that are like re- retweeting Christina Peshaw and stuff like that, mm-hmm. this is the stuff they talk about, and th- and this is the kind of thing that I think he's going to keep talking about it because mm-hmm. he wants that to be when. Like, hey, look, we all loved you getting elected. I'm sorry. When the chips were down, you dropped the ball. I picked it up. When I'm president, I am battle tested. You are not. You are a proven failure. Uh, uh, I, I think I, one, I think you're right. Uh, two, I think people are going to hit back and say, hey, you just said you had lockdowns and you started. You, 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 you were a hypocrite, too. I've seen Christy Nome do that, to, you mm-hmm. know, without mentioning this as my name before. I'm sure Trump will do some of that kind of thing also. But most importantly, just to me, I think like 95% of Americans are done debating COVID. It is in the rear view mirror. We want to other things. Yeah. So I feel like the way Trump clings to 2020, I feel like the Sands is clinging to COVID because it's it's his thing. It's how he kind of made his mark. But by mid-2023, 2024, you think people still don't want to debate COVID? I, I, I got to think people are going to talk about other things at that point. So I, I, in I, that sense, I think I, I agree. is and not I, doing what he's done well today, which is being fresh. I agree. I do think that we're 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 not done with the Disney thing. We are we are we are not done with the migrant thing. We're not done with whatever. I mean, I used to joke on on this show that Ron DeSantis has a trigger law for whatever is in the A block of Tucker Carlson, and and I don't think that that is going to change in his final legislative session, which I think will happen before he announces for for president. He is going to have one more round of doing things in in the Florida legislature, and then after that is is done. Then, then he is going to announce, but I think he's going to do it with a flurry of news about things that he is doing currently. That's my guess. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. Uh, well, we will read your uh, still too early, but not as early <laughs> as it started. Twenty four uh, uh, campaign breakdown, and we will of course have you back on here as soon as possible. Bill, share. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, 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 written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Got a little bit of a bonus story for you. Sam Bankman Freed arrested on Tuesday morning in the Bahamas. This is a day before he was scheduled to testify before Congress. That did happen without him and uh, the new CEO of FTX who is picking up the pieces in that company in the same way that he picked up the pieces at Enron had this to say under oath. FTX had, quote, no record keeping whatsoever, end quote. 
They used bookkeeping software QuickBooks to track its multi-billion dollar portfolio. Same thing that a lot of us are going to be using to set up our taxes. Yeah, they use that for, you know, the, the company that was buying Larry David Super Bowl ads and putting their name on, on uh, arenas and football fields for the past two years. Ray went on to say that while the field of cryptocurrency is certainly flashy and certainly tech forward, what happened with FTX was a tale as old as time. Quote, it's really just old fashioned embezzlement. This is just taking money from customers and using it for your own purpose. Not sophisticated at all. Sophisticated, perhaps, in the way that they were hiding something, frankly, right in front of their eyes. But this is just plain old embezzlement. Old school. Old school. End quote. Uh, The indictment against uh, SBF also includes some uh, uh, election funding issues, uh, uh, possibly FEC charges. We're going to have to get Dave Leventhal on to pour through all of that at some point. Very rare that we get a high profile story that the money man can talk about. But as for this program, px3guest.com is where you thank Bill Share, who uh, took his time to come on this program. If you'd like to email the show, and please do, because I want to do a mailbag segment on Friday's show. It is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at px3tweets. See me live on the internet, px3live.com. Share this podcast with your friends, family, clergy, px3podcast.com. You can hit me up uh, with a one-time donation. Tis the season, after all. PayPal.me slash PayJury. Venmo is Justin-Young-20-Cash-App is PX3Cash. And of course, anything you'd like to send me in the mail, it is P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. I should have been saying this for weeks. If you got a Christmas card and it's laying around, laying around I love to see them. I'll shout them out here on the show. I love to see you guys uh, and, and your faces and your families. It always brings a warm feeling in my heart. Of course, there are only one way. There is only one way, he said grammatically correct, to get our bonus content, and that is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Our $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule, and our $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Dustin, Jason, C. Garcia, Andres, Matt, Craig, Potts, Unsafety B-Levels, MC Dradio, Katie, Amanda, Yeo Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Catherine Todd, persons familiar with the matter, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA Select, Star, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslandian, Blue Front, and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Diana Turn 2, Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome. Brad, Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, who loves Frank, got abducted, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, the Gen, A-L-D-L-D-L-D, really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua, if you would like to join their ranks, it's a just a scene. Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com, sign up at the $10 level. On Friday's edition of the show, we see the glorious return of your friend and mine, Tom Merritt, 
to the program, we discuss the Twitter files. It's an intersection of three of my favorite topics, politics, technology, and journalism. Thankfully, Tom is is also very well-versed in all those. We have a great conversation. We will bring it to you on Friday. Of course, patrons will get a bonus episode in between that on Thursday, covering all the news, all the news that will happen in between there. Maybe some SBF drama. We will soon find out. Till then, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying... Some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss all three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.